Good morning, everyone. This is Pamela Chambers, and I'm here with you today to teach you how to keep your children a little more safe. Actually, I have a guest on today's show. Her name is Patty Fitzgerald, and she will give you all super-duper information. So, did you know that it takes less than one minute for a predator to lure a child away? Did you know that 90% of childhood sexual abuse occurs by someone the child knows? So, I thought it was extremely important to bring Patty on our show today. She is the founder of www.safelyeveractor.com. We are so lucky to have Patty Fitzgerald on our show today. She is a certified prevention educator, speaker, author, and most importantly, she is a mom. She educates families everywhere on her safe, smart strategies to help keep your children safe. She is the author of two books, Super Duper Safety School and No Trespassing, This Is My Body. And I just wanted to learn more about her safe smarts and I also wanted to share it with all of you because I think it is super duper important to keep our children safe. And I'm sure you do too. So please welcome Patty Fitzgerald to Smart Choices for a Happier Family Life. Hello everyone. And welcome to Smart Choices for a Happier Life, where it's a community of people working together for social good. Let's share love, peace, and let's talk. Here's your host, Pamela Chambers. Well, good morning, Patty. So happy to have you here. And you live in L.A. County, is that correct? I do. I live in Santa Monica. I've been here for quite a long time. Ooh, it's a beautiful place to live. It is. It is. We like it. Now, I really love your website name, safelyeverafter.com. Now, what brought you into this whole industry? Was something sort of inspire you to get started on this topic? Um, yeah, actually, that's a great question because it's, it came about kind of late in life. Um, I have a daughter who's now 16 years old, and she was uh, about two years old, and we decided to move back to... Uh, Long Island, where my family lives, and as soon as we got there, we received a notification that a level three registered uh, sex offender had just moved into our neighborhood, and I was scared and upset. I thought I just moved across the country to what I thought was small town USA, getting out of LA, and going to be around the family, and it sounds like the boogeyman lives near me, and, and that was upsetting. So I called an agency, a national agency called Parents for Megan's Law, which is also in Long Island. And the executive director and I talked for a while, and uh, she allayed a lot of my fears, um, told me what I should be concerned with and what I didn't have to be concerned with. And then when she learned I had been a teacher, we started talking about community outreach education, and we ended up. Uh, creating a community outreach education for parents for Megan's Law. And so that sort of started the journey, um, teaching uh, through parents for Megan's Law, going out to the community on the East Coast. And, you know, then more and more I started creating curriculum and writing and basing everything on um, a mom's point of view instead of a therapist's point of view, nothing against therapists. I just wanted to make it very mom-friendly. And so I created uh, curriculum and workshops 
based on how I talk to my daughter and how I would want to hear about it. So that's kind of how it all, how Safely Ever After all started. And I wanted the, the name of my website and business to reflect that it wasn't a scary topic and it was something that we could actually achieve, live safely ever after. And I think that's great. And I, I think your targeted age group is what, three to eight years of age, three to nine years of age? Well, the books that I've written are for kids about three years old to 10 years old. Um, but the work that I do is for parents and kids of all ages. So depending on the age of the child, your workshop or your seminar would be based on that. Uh, parent seminars are pretty much inclusive of, of any age children. So, for example, you can still be talking to your 16-year-old daughter the way I do about these safety rules and, and understanding how predators and molesters work. So if I'm in a high school, I talk to the kids a little differently. When I talk to parents of toddlers, I talk a little bit differently, but I, I try to cover everybody. Yeah, and one of the things I like most, I'm actually a therapist, and one of the reasons I loved your book so much is that you were able to do it without scaring them. And how do you think you accomplished that? Because it's really important not to scare them because, you know, they have enough time to develop their own fears, let alone us putting our fears into them. So I did notice that in the book, that it was really powerful, but yet it didn't scare them. So what are the ways I think that you accomplished that? Wow, thanks. I'm really glad that, that you found that meaningful. That was the whole point. Um, to, to do that, I think, is partly the language that a parent or a teacher would use. And whenever you say stranger danger, that sounds scary. And so I changed that whole concept to tricky people, which is more accurate and just doesn't have uh, such a scary sound to it. I tried to use language that made sense to children, talking about the uh-oh feeling and safety rules and being the boss of your body um, and things like that because I figured with my own daughter, when it wasn't scary, she would listen to it and it was actually meaningful. So a lot of it has to do with the language. And then the other part is the approach. You know, it should be light and informative and educational, but kind of fun. You know, safety should be fun. It shouldn't be a doom and gloom topic or else everybody will tune out. You're exactly right. And I like the thing I liked, too, when you called it the smart bo boss of their body, it's, yeah. it's empowering for the children to feel like they are in charge. And it's a way to the verbiage that you used tend to empower the children, and that's what I thought was really good. Thank you. Thank you. I, well, I noticed that even very young children, pre-K kids, know what a boss is, and they like being the boss of something. So that's usually the first thing that they remember and take away from a, a workshop or a class is that they're the boss of their body. Yes, I love it because kids at that age love to be the boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, now, I know the very first step of a predator is grooming. Can you give the audience a little idea what grooming can look like? Yes, uh, I'd be happy to. Um, the problem with the grooming process is that it's so manipulative and conniving and sneaky that parents often don't realize they're being groomed until it's too late. 
But if you can recognize grooming ahead of time, you're ahead of the game and you can stop a predator before he moves into the second stage, which is to actually victimize the child. So the grooming process is all of that preliminary charm and attention and affection that someone lavishes on your child, which is too much, which is over the top and doesn't make sense. It's uh, ingratiating themselves into your family system, offering a parent freebies for their child, free lessons, free outings, uh, extravagant gifts that don't make sense. The grooming is, you know, something that uh, has to happen first most of the time because it gains the parent and the child's trust. So when you recognize that somebody's just a little bit too good to be true or too interested in your child, then you can step back and ask yourself why and monitor that relationship. I think the most important thing to recognize about grooming and predators is that it requires access and privacy. It, ex it uh, requires one-on-one -on -one time, whether that person is uh, an 18-year-old kid targeting a 5-year-old or a 40-year-old targeting a 10-year-old, whatever it is, they're looking for access and privacy. You are correct. I had, well, I, you know, dealt with some unfortunate circumstances where children have been abused and predators have taken advantage of them. One in particular was a gymnastics coach. And how he did it was, is he would entrust the child to babysit his children. I mean, this was a teen, unfortunately, that was violated. And then he would be taking her home from gymnastics classes. And that was the way that he was able to gain that alone time. You know, and taking the babysitter home after, you know, she would come to his house and babysit their children. Yeah, that's a very common scenario, uh, and I've heard that before, too, that that male um, taking a child home either from a lesson, you know, the coach or the or the, uh, the parent that she's babysitting for taking that child home and, and slowly gaining that trust with a lot of flattery and attention. Uh, one of the things that, I, and it's in the, the parent guide in the books, is... Uh, this idea of people overstepping their boundary in terms of what they should or should not be doing with your child. So, for example, that, that gym teacher, it's not his job to provide transportation home after a, a gymnastics lesson for one child. Exactly. And it's, you know, creating that alone, alone time. Like in the back of your book, you have those red flags, warning signs, and it really is a way to you know, prevent this process of grooming. And like you said in the book, it says, you know, someone who continually tries to arrange alone time with one child, you know, that's where they have to have alone time. And I think parents need to really be aware of that. Right. One of the first things I talk about in a parent workshop is pay attention to who's paying attention to your kid. Exactly. Another client of mine, unfortunately, had muscular dystrophy would go, his parents would be home, would go into the room with the child and abuse him, you know, right there that, in their own home. Yeah, that is more common than, than people realize and that parents might think um, because they're, they're, predators are charming, they're, they're manipulative, they're cunning, and it's a con game, and they're really good at what they do. 
if they weren't, they wouldn't get away with it. So it's our job to be very alert to who's looking for that alone time. Exactly. And I even had a 12-year-old girl who was overpowered by her 12-year-old supposedly boyfriend. Uh -huh. And he had raped her. And I'm thinking, why is she even alone with a 12-year-old male? You know, I don't know how they get access, but somehow they figure it out. Yeah, they do. And, and you know, parents want to give, especially those, I call those the middle school kids, that uh, 10 to 13-year-old group of children. Parents want to start opening up the independence there and letting the kids have a little more freedom. But if you haven't taught your child how to have freedom and how to, what's okay and what's not okay and how to get out of a situation, then your child isn't ready for freedom. You, we don't just open the barn door and let the horse run out. You've really got to talk to your kids about what's okay and what's not okay. That, and that's usually when it starts, is the, those middle school years. That's when you got to kick it into high gear and really talk to your kids. And really monitor where they're going, who they're going with, and where they're going to be. Are they going to be alone? That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Now, in your book, which I love, Super Duper Safety School, I actually love that, Super Duper. I have, um, when, my, when I get kiddos that have PTSD, I'll, I'll call it, you know, pretty tough stuff, dude. Uh -huh. you know? So your language really relates to the children that it's designed to hit. But yep. I know that you give nine rules in this book. And rule number two is, you know, watch out for those tricky people. What do you tell the kids as far as what to look out for? You know, what do the tricky people look like? Sure. Well, that's a big one because tricky people can look like anything or anyone. And so it's not based on what a tricky person looks like, but rather what a tricky person says or wants to do. A tricky person will try and trick you into breaking one of your safety rules. So it's it's more like a system or a way of thinking for a child. There are thumbs up and thumbs down rules and if someone tries to break that rule, even somebody we know, that's a tricky person. What are some of the things they might say, you know, to the kids? You said what things they might say. What are some of the things they might say to try to trick them? Sure. A tricky person, depending on what, what they're trying to do, a tricky person might ask a child for help or assistance. So out in the park, you know, I lost my puppy. Will you help me? Uh, come closer to my car. I need some assistance. Can you carry some packages out to my car? Uh, a tricky person could talk about the private parts and say these are very special touches that uh, it's okay to do because I'm your friend or I like you. And so these private part touches are okay. Um, a tricky person might say something like, like, don't tell your parents or don't tell anyone about what we're doing because you'll get in trouble. Or Right. And I know in rule number three you said, and I really like this, because safe grown-ups, they don't ask kids for help. Exactly. And I like that because, you know, kids think, kids will probably feel, wow, this is pretty cool. He's asking me for help. <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> I think I'm pretty smart. 
<laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and it's just common sense. If I lose my puppy in the park or I need directions, I'm not going to pull over and ask a child for help. I'm going to ask an adult who's probably going to be able to help me. And so when kids recognize that that's breaking a rule, they can immediately back away and have an exit strategy or get away from that person and know that they shouldn't be helping. So when I'm teaching a, a class of young children, I'll say, we're going to learn the helping rule. It's okay to help your mom and dad when they tell you to clean up your room, but it's not okay to help somebody out there in the world unless you've got your safe grown-up with you. Ooh, I like that. And, and I know even on rule number four, you say ask first. You know, if you, if, they, if you can't ask somebody first, just don't do it, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's important for kids at any age. There's got to be some kind of a check-in system. So with young children, check first. Ask first before you go anywhere, before you take something, before you help someone. That way that safe adult can make a decision, you know, is this, does this sound right? Is this, should my child be alone with this person or do what they're asking? And for kids who are older, like, you know, the 12-year-old middle school kids, before they change their plans, if they're walking to the mall or walking to the ice cream shop and then someone says, do you want to come in my house and watch a video, they need to check first with the parent. Call them up on the cell phone. If you can't check first, the answer is no. Go in at the ice cream store. I love that. My kids are in middle school, and it's like, if they can't ask first, you know, forget it. Yeah, exactly. Now, I know then, of course, one of the most important rules, rule number seven, no secrets. And, you know, going on with this, you know, teenager whose gymnastics coach violated her, that was the first thing he said to her before he violated her. He was actually on a motorcycle, you know, riding down the street. And asked, can you keep a secret? And then took her hand and put it where he shouldn't have put it. You know, uh, his. And I'm thinking, you know, that was the very first thing he said. And then what's even worse afterwards is she felt so entrusted, like, oh, my gosh, she entrusted me with this secret uh-huh. that she felt special. Yes, yes. And that is part of the grooming and the trick. Uh, and a, a child doesn't have the developmental maturity or, or, you know, thinking to understand that that is not a special secret and a, and a, a thing that, 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 that's good that's singling you out. Uh, tricky people will often use that secrets trick. So I've always tried to teach parents and kids establish a rule, no secrets from your parents especially if it makes you feel yucky or weird. And if you, if you know that your child is young and won't quite understand that, then the rule is no secrets about private parts or no secrets about touches so that it's very clear. And that's awesome. And I even like how in the book you define the difference between surprise and secret because kids could misinterpret, you know, those two words. So to clarify, that was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I found that um, parents were were really wanting to figure out, well, what do I use instead of the word secret? Because it just sort of flies out of our mouths, 
easily. So using surprise really differentiates what's okay and not okay. Right. And now, how, what kind of safety rules can you have for grown-ups, you know, to reduce the odds of something like that to our child? I know you tapped on it, you know, earlier as far as just don't giving them alone time. But are there any other things that you might be able to educate our moms out there on ways to maybe reduce the odds? Sure. To reduce the odds or minimize the risk. That really is the parent's job. So I pay attention to things like people who are, are looking, uh, as I said, to do more than what is typical um, with your child. So, you know, if grandma wants to take my daughter to the movies for her birthday, that makes sense. If the gym teacher wants to take her to the movies for her birthday, that does not make sense. Um, I talk to parents in, in family environments, big family parties. Where are the kids? Where are the grown-ups? If there's one grown-up who's always where the children are, instead of socializing with the other adults, keep that in mind. Get up and go tell that grown-up they need to be where the grown-ups are. Put out a visible vibe that you're involved. So letting others know you have communication with your child, that you are watching, that you are paying attention, Will, will often minimize the risk. If somebody says something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable, call them on it. I, I once had a relative who said, ooh, your daughter, and this my daughter was four at the time, ooh, your daughter is sexy. Oh. And I just went, yuck. Oh. That gave me, yeah. yeah, exactly. Gave me the uh-oh feeling. So I just said, you know, that's really yucky. A four-year-old isn't sexy. And then I made a little note to myself. Note to self. <laughs> Monitor this person around my kid because there is something yucky and inappropriate. Boy, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, you said, um, and I think, too, what's really important to elaborate on that point is role playing. Uh It, It makes children prepared, you know, to sort of automatically come out and say what it is they might need to say in response to whatever's going on because, you know, we tend to have that that moment of freezing up, I think, when something feels a little, like you said, uh uh-oh, awkward, Mm -hmm. you know, uncomfortable. Right. But you don't know what to say or how to respond. And that's the thing. We do it all the time in life. You know, two days later, we think, oh, I should have said such and such when that person said something. So I think it's good to have almost some scripted responses ready as an adult or as a child if you get an uh uh-oh feeling. So for an adult, you know, if anybody makes you feel uncomfortable in relationship to your child, you simply call it like it is. Hey, that doesn't sound right. Hey, that's not okay with me. Hey, back off. Something that tells them I caught what you said or what you want to do and I'm not good with it. And you don't have to come out and say, oh, my God, you're a terrible molester. But you can just put that vibe out there. Yeah, it's simple, clean, and easy, I think, for a child to say. Right. With that kind of comment, it's easy, it's general. You can use it almost in every situation. Right, yes, you can. And for a child, uh, I teach them right away to put their little hand out as a stop sign and say, stop, that's not okay. Stop. Good. Stop me. Yes. 
you know, anything, but, but actually get physical too and put that stop sign, that hand or that arm out there and say stop because it feels very powerful to a child. So anything that um, will help them remember that they do have that power and that that's how you are the boss of your body, that I think that works. Right, and even doing those actions makes it more entrenched within you. I mean, Tony Robbins is a big one on that. He says, you know, do the powerful stand and you actually feel it more and it empowers you more. Right, right. I'll even teach children how to say stop or how to yell for help. And we'll role play. You're exactly right. We'll role play and we'll do it in a weak way like, stop, don't do that. And then we'll do it really firmly. And I'll say, what do you think is going to work? And we'll try it a few times. And it, it really does have an impact when you role play. Definitely. Now, you know, the final final rule, number nine, the uh-oh feeling. I mean, just that alone spells out what it is. But is there anything else you tell the children as far as what an uh-oh feeling is? Yeah, they'll, uh, sometimes they'll say, well, what's an uh-oh feeling? And I'll say, well, it's that little voice in your head or your heart that says, uh-oh, this doesn't sound right. Uh-oh, this is breaking a rule. And so the uh-oh feeling, you know, you can't, ex you can't use the word instinct, but I'll say the uh-oh feeling is when the boss knows time for me to be the boss. It's time for me to do something. Kids understand the uh-oh feeling because they get it all the time, even for little reasons. You know, uh-oh, I didn't drink all my milk. My mom's going to be mad at me. They understand what that uh-oh feeling is. It makes sense to them, and it's very empowering because they can recognize it right away. Doesn't, it's really easy to explain that uh-oh feeling to a child. Well, and it's a perfect terminology for their age, you know, the uh-oh feeling. And it's basically the fight-or-flight symptom that we all have. And it's, like you said, the gut reaction. Right, right. And, and kids need to learn that it's okay to listen to that uh-oh feeling because we try to socialize it out of them sometimes. And even as adults, we will ignore that uh-oh feeling because we don't want to be paranoid or confrontational and your uh-oh feeling is the is the most uh indicative uh uh sign when something isn't right and that you've got to take an action so rather than ignore it or question it go with it because it doesn't go off for no reason it goes off for a specific reason right you know a lot of parents might say you know tough it up you know tough it out you can do it you can handle it you know, when they're having an uh-oh feeling. Right, right. And even if it's an uh-oh feeling about something small and the parent doesn't agree with that uh-oh feeling, all you have to say to that child is, well, I'm glad you shared that uh-oh feeling with me. Right. Validate their emotions. Yeah, because if you don't, they will stop telling you about that uh-oh feeling or they'll, they'll start questioning it and then we're in big trouble. Oh, yes. Well, just so my audience knows, at the end of her book, Super Duper Safety School, there's a parent's guide and really lots of good resources for parents, websites and all that good stuff. Right, Patty? Yes, yes. I felt like the books, the books that I've written for kids, they really do need a parent guide in the back because it's not all up to kids to keep themselves safe. It really is the parent's job. So uh, the other book that I have is called No Trespassing, This Is My Body 
both of them have uh, parent guides at the back and resources and websites and, and even um, national hotlines if you need some support or, or advocacy. Right, and Patty, you also go out to schools and wherever, right? Like, what are some of the other services you provide so people can be aware of them? Okay, well, I go to schools and I do a lot of classroom lessons. So I'll spend a few days at a school bouncing from classroom to classroom. I do speaking engagements at PTA meetings. I do large speaking engagements at corporations and hospitals and community events. Um, I also do telephone consultations. So if you live far away and you want a workshop, but that is it possible? Then I do a one-on-one -on -one phone consult, and I go over exactly the same things that we I would do in a in a workshop, and and electronically send you all the handouts and and um, the booklet that I have for parents. So there's a lot of different things that I can do, um, depending on what the needs of the community or the school or the parents are. Mommy and me groups, all of that. So where can they find you on your website? Yes, www.safelyeverafter.com, and there's all kinds of links on there in terms of prevention information, but also um, services, and uh, if you click on that link, you can find all kinds of ways to, to either have me come in person or to work over the phone doing a phone consultation, and I also have a blog uh link up there, my blog, Safely Ever After blog, which has tons of articles and, and um, posts that I've written about current things going on in terms of child safety or, or just some, some of my opinions. Oh, it's awesome. Thanks. All right. So now, um, just so they know, too, I'll have all her information on my show notes on the website, links and all that, so they can find you. So we just want to make sure they can find you and you're an easy access. But I want to thank you so much, Patty. You have such awesome information. I don't think any home should be without your books. It's so, um, I mean, why would they want to take that risk? Thank you. Well, that's how I feel about it too, because when you know how to protect your kids, it really isn't that difficult. We just have to know how to make it work. And there's not enough information out there. So thank goodness you came up with it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Patty. Thanks again so much for sharing with my audience all your good information and helping all of us keep our children a little safer. My pleasure. Anytime. All right, Patty. See ya. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. That was awesome, huh? Super duper. Anyway, the number of people I'm sure that her information has touched and really helped, I'm sure, is huge. So please share this information with anybody you can think of so we can all help to keep our children safe. Thanks again, you guys, for taking the time to listen. Hope you enjoyed Patty Fitzgerald and all of her safety rules for kids and grown-ups. All the show notes and resources and links will be located on the podcast link on my website at PamelaChambers.com. Also, if you'd like, just you can sign up for my newsletter and you can receive my five favorite apps in helping your child develop their emotional IQ. Thanks again, you guys, for spending the time with me and Patty. Looking forward to seeing you again. Until then, keep listening to Smart Choices for a Happier Family Life. Love, peace, and let's talk. This is Pamela Chambers signing off at PamelaChambers.com. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Smart Choices for a Happier Life at PamelaChambers.com. 
wishes for you to have a blessed day. He wishes for you to have a blessed day.